0: What's going on through our church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right, 11 o'clock. How we doing this morning? Good, good, man. What a day. Hey, do me a favor. Let's welcome everyone watching online this morning. Come on. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, we love you, bummed you couldn't be in the room, but man, we're excited that you're joining us. And hey, even if right now, go ahead and go on your Facebook page, YouTube, you can share it to your friends, your page, this service right now, like it, give it a comment. Uh, You can also share the Fall Fest video that's promoting for Saturday. I'm just so excited. God's doing some pretty cool things in our church, right? All right, here we go. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to be continuing our series called All of Me. Before I do that, though, just one quick thing. Um, Last week, we had an amazing guest speaker. We had Pastor Eric Baca in the house. I think some of you were here. And some of you, which is crazy, is the first time you've ever heard Pastor Eric speak, which is like mind-blowing to me, Um, but really, really cool. I just want to honor you, family, real quick before we move in, and I think this is important. Um, I want to honor you on how you honored our previous lead pastor. I want you to know that at churches nowadays, it's rare when the church gets passed on from one per- person of leadership to another, and yet the previous leadership is honored just as much as if they were here. Like it made my heart so happy that when, I, when, I, when we brought him up and everyone just stood to their feet and just clapped him down, and he might even be watching right now. And so, yeah, we still love you, Pastor Eric. And um, I just want to honor you because family, I want you to know this, that our church is going to be a church of honor. Our church is going to be a church that loves the people that God loves and God chooses. I had a quote this week from a friend. He said this, he says, when I honor someone in the room or when I honor someone, it's me agreeing with God's choice. And so I'm just grateful that we still do that, especially with someone that gave so much to this house, like Pastor Eric and Lori. So I want to honor you. I, I'm just so grateful for what God's doing in this room. Sound good? All right, that's all I wanted to say. Stand to your feet. Come on, let's get into the word. Let's do it. Here we go. And, and listen, I took a break last week, so I'm coming in hot. I'm just being honest. I'm coming in hot. If y'all were like, oh, this is going to make me feel good, it's not. It's not one of those this week. Get ready, pull your notebooks out. If it's your first time here, I don't even think it's going to be different next week. I'm just going to be honest. It's just how it normally is. And, uh, but we're going to go for it. And I'm so excited. First service was off the hook. And I think this second experience is going to be even better. All right, here we go. First Samuel chapter 22. We're continuing our series in the life of David entitled All of Me. And it says this. It says, verse 1, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were... Were with him about 400 men, verse three. And David went from there to Mishpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. Verse four, last verse. And he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, let this word speak to hearts and minds. Let it not be my voice. Let it be your voice. And Jesus, we just pray that you would just continue to doing what you're doing at our church. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus name, everybody said, amen and amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. So as we continue the story of David, I've already shared this with you, that David's life is like a novella. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The ups and downs. I don't know if you like those novellas or you like those soap operas. That's David's life. David starts off in the season where he's in the field as a shepherd boy. He ends up killing Goliath and getting promoted. He ends up escaping Saul, right? His father-in-law tries to kill him. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. And now David has lost everything and he's in a cave. He's in a cave season. I want to talk to you today about the cave season of your life. I want to talk to you today about what happens when you end up being in a place where you don't want to be But for some reason, God has allowed you to be. And man, it just feels like it's darkness all around. It feels like you're struggling. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of confusion. That's the season that David is in in this part of the story. The season that we're in in the narrative, it's the cave season. But I want to highlight this. I want to talk about how David hides. If you're taking notes today, that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about when David hides. Hides and you have this story. Check it out. Where in the Bible, where we're, we're in right now, we find in the chapter beforehand that David is on the run. He escaped from Saul, and the Bible says that Saul hires three thousand dudes to kill David. Now I don't know about you, but that's doing the most. Okay, if you think someone doesn't like you, no one's hired three thousand dudes to take you out. Like. There's no way your mother-in-law don't like you that much. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I'm just kidding. Most of your mother-in-laws love you. I'm just playing. 3,000 people, an army, an army of Israel, literally going after one guy. This dude, David this dude Saul, is so scared that he's scared of one little guy named David, and they hired 3,000 people, armed soldiers, swords and chariots, to find David. and so David finds his place. And finds his hiding in a cave known as the cave of Adullam. And I don't know about you, but I've had some cave seasons in my life. I've had some times where it just feels like I'm hiding. What I want to submit to you today is this. Is that I believe that people would read this story. And they would believe that David is just hiding from his enemy. But in all actuality, I believe that David is doing something greater. David is not just hiding from his enemy, but he is learning in this season, in the cave, to hide in the Lord. I want you to understand something, that there is a difference when you hide from something instead of hiding in something. And what I can want you to catch, what I believe our church would catch today is this. Is that God would call us to hide with him. That God would teach us how to hide in the right place. That some seasons of your life, you're going to need to be hidden. Come on, some seasons in your life, God's going to have to have you hidden in a place where you're not the most popular and you're not the most famous. And it's not all about you because in this Jesus thing, in this discipleship thing, in this following God thing, I have learned that the cave is for a reason. I want to tell you right now that if you're in a cave season where it's dark all around you and it feels like it's you're stuck and it feels like it's just uncomfortable and it feels like, man, what is going on? That there is a purpose to the pain and it's not because God hates you, but because he has something for your life. And maybe the reason that God would allow you to go through a cave in this season is because he's getting you ready for the next one. I have learned this in my life, that when I go through cave seasons, it's because God is more interested in doing something to me than doing something through me. I want you to catch that. And we have in our lives always focused on behavior. We're always focusing on doing stuff, moving, going the extra mile, doing extra things. But I have learned in this Jesus thing that more than God wants your hands, he wants your heart. And sometimes he's got to send you in a cave to get it. Because you don't know what you really love until you're in a cave season. Come on. You don't know. Like, And and the cave is a metaphor. I hope you understand that. I'm not prophesying or speaking ill that you're going to go through like a cave and you're going to live all homeless in a cave. That's not what I'm saying. But can someone relate to me in the room when you've gone through a season of pain, when you've gone through a season of hurt, when you've gone through a season where things aren't planning out the way things that you thought would plan out, where it feels like it's injustice, where it feels like you're around people that you don't want to be around. I remember when I read this verse, man, when I was studying this, this week, I read this I made me laugh. Verse 2, it said, And everyone came to him who was in distress, who was in debt, and who was in bitter in soul. I was like, Man, that sounds like SCO's Christmas. Come on now. I don't know if you got family that every time you hang out with them, they're in distress, they're bitter, and how many know they owe the IRS a ton of money? Some of y'all in the room need to cut up your credit cards in Jesus' name. Ain't nobody want to hang out with people that are bitter in soul and distressed and in debt. Ain't nobody getting gifts from that uncle. Come on, let's be real. This was David's life. Not only was he in a place he didn't want to be in, he was with people he didn't want to be with. I don't know about you, but I could relate where it feels like everywhere I turn, just everything's not working. And that's the place where God's like, good, now I got your attention. Because if God was going to trust David in the palace, then God had to trust David in the cave. The way that God trusts David in the field. And I came to tell someone today that God wanted to teach David how to hide. My first point, which is probably the main point of the whole conversation is this. Is that David hid in the presence of God, not from the presence of God. (sighs) Family. Let me, let me help you make, a, make a, a shift that I believe would change your entire world if you caught this, if you haven't caught this already. And I, I, I don't really say that that often because I think that kind of comes off arrogant, but I really believe this is like a word from God for someone in their spirit and their soul. And if, if you would really catch this, if your heart would really... like, I believe this could be a match to the coals and the dying parts of your heart. If you could learn to hide in God instead of from God, everything will change. That is the difference between someone who is dating Jesus and married to Jesus. Come on now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember when you used to date? Wasn't it horrible? All the single people in the room said, amen, right? It's just awkward. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to ghost you. You don't know if they're going to text you back. You don't know what they're going to say. You don't know if they're going to pay girls. You don't know if he's going to pay. That's horrible. But right, there's something about commitment, relationship, devotion, marriage, the idea that we are going after it together and we're close. Can I tell you, your relationship with God is very similar in the same way that he is not looking for a one-night stand with you where you visit him on a Sunday. He's looking for a relationship. And the difference is this right here, a major. There's a bunch, but here's one. Is that I have learned to hide in him, not from him. That when things go wrong, I have learned to be in his shadow, not someone else's shadow. When I even, it's my fault, I've learned to run toward the father and not away from my father. Where I have learned in my life And I've had to learn this, and I am still learning this, that there is a difference between running away from God and running toward God. And I believe that the reason why God was able to trust David with all that David was able to be trusted with is because David understood that my identity, my calling, my passion, and my heart, all of me is hidden in Jesus. I do, I really believe that. So let me break it down a little bit. Um, Because I believe that David begins to show us what New Testament Christianity looks like in the Old Testament. That's actually one of the most powerful things I believe that David shows us in Scripture, the story and the life of David, the principles of his life, is that he is teaching us a New Testament reality, even though it's an Old Testament book. I want to take you a little bit back, all right, Genesis, all right, where the Bible says, and if you are kind of Bible nerds, you know this story, where the Bible says that God made Adam, right, and Eve, And the Bible says that God made Adam and he formed Adam out of dust and he made Adam, you know, he he, he made him as tall as he wanted. He put the hairs on his head as he wanted. He made his arms as long as he wanted. He put his fingernails as long as he wanted. He made him brown because he was Hispanic. Come on now. My boy Zadok, I I tell him, Zadok, you're brown. And he goes, no, daddy, I'm golden. (laughs) I'm like, shoot. You need to chill out, bro. You look way too good with that confidence. I'm, oh my gosh, help me, Lord. Pray for his mom. Okay. And then the Bible says that, that, of course, if you're like, does the Bible really say you made him Hispanic? No, please. Like, I just, I'm going to have to make that clarity. I didn't do that first service. I just, I, I ain't trying to get on a website that I'm a heretic. Okay. And, um, like, I don't need no false prophet. I don't need no Instagram videos. Like, I'm just me. All right, cool. And, and then the Bible says that he, he took a rib out of Adam and made Eve right? And bam, Adam and Eve. And the Bible says they do this where they end up falling into sin. I think you guys are familiar with the story. If not, I'm just going to walk you through it. They fall into sin. And if you know the story, you know this, that the first thing they did is when they ate the fruit, they heard God, because the Bible says that God would spend time with them every day at the cool of the day, because he was in perfect relationship with Adam and Eve. They sin. And so what do they do? They hear God coming and they hide And they grab leaves to cover their nakedness. And then the Bible says that God asks Adam and Eve, where are you? Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny when God asks people in scripture a question? Have you ever? Like he's God. He knows the answer. Come on, parents. You ever catch your kid in the act? You know what I'm talking about? And you ask them a question? Like, so what time did you go to bed last night? You know what time they went to bed last night. And they're all like, oh, the, the, the. they real smart until you catch them. And isn't it funny that God does the same thing with you? Right? He does it with us, right? He asks us a question. And he's like, hey, Chris, what were you doing last night? Well, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, and you have nothing to say, right? This is what God's asking Adam and Eve. He's like, he's like, Adam and Eve, where are you? He knows where they are. Adam and Eve, where are you? And they're scared and they tell him, oh, we, were, we were fearful and, and we had to cover our nakedness. And God says, who told you you were naked? Who revealed to you good and evil? And God knew you did the very thing you, I asked you not to do. I, I gave you one thing to not do and you did it. You broke my heart. Here's what we find in the nature of humanity. Adam and Eve, instead of running to the presence of God, run away from it. They decide to run away from God's presence instead of run in it because that's our nature, right? Whenever something goes down or ever something messes up or whenever we mess up or whenever something isn't right in the way we want it to be, instead of running toward the presence in our sin fleshly nature, we run away from the presence. Fast forward, you have the story of Israel, where the nation of Israel was freed from the Egyptians uh, at that time and they were enslaved and a few million, a couple million Egyptians or Israelites are freed from the nation of Egypt. They They cross through the Red Sea. They go into the wilderness. The Bible says that God meets them on a mountain. I don't know about you, but if I went to a mountain and there's clouds, and thunder and lightning and the voice of God is coming I'm gonna go check it out I'm just gonna be honest I'm gonna pull out my phone we're gonna take some videos This is gonna be a great time the nation of Israel was like no we're scared Moses you're the only one that can go and so Moses goes up to the mountain for 40 days and check it out while God is on the mountain with Moses literally lightning thundering clouds all this craziness they're making golden calves and idols out of their earrings Which tells me that for some of us, we can be around the presence of God, but doesn't mean that we're in it. And just because you go to church does not mean that you have chosen a life where the presence of God is the priority of your heart. And just because I'm around Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Just because I stand next to some cars doesn't make me a vehicle. Just because you're around a fire doesn't mean you're on fire. And can I tell you today that you and I have to learn that it can't just be running away from God's presence. It's not good enough to just be around God's presence. Family, can we learn to hide in God's presence? And when I hide in Him, With all my junk and my mess and my brokenness and my shame and my guilt and all the things that God is not scared of me because he made me. So fast forward a few more chapters and and books in the Bible. Genesis, Adam and Eve run away. Exodus, the people of Israel run away. David, God runs toward him or David runs toward God, right? Adam and Eve run away from the presence. The nation of Israel runs away from the presence. But ooh, that David guy runs toward the presence of God. In the cave, he says, I'm going to choose you. And we find this, we know this because, and you're like, well, where's that in the story? Because what we actually find is that in the Bible, in this story, that David, who is also the writer of most of the Psalms in the book of Psalms, he writes two of one of the most powerful Psalms in all of Psalms, which is Psalms 57 and Psalms 142. He wrote Psalms 57 and Psalms 142 in the cave. Let me read to you one of the lines of Psalm 57. It's not gonna be on the screen, but just follow me real quick. This is what he says, Psalm 57. He wrote this in the cave. And he says it like this. He says, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. What we find is that David wasn't in the cave hiding from Saul. David was in the cave hiding in the Lord. And my friends, if you can change that perspective in your life, where you would learn to hide in Jesus and not hide in your problems and not hide in your past. And this is why, because darkness can either be the shadow of sin or the shadow of God in your life. It's going to be dark. The question is, what darkness is it going to be? You can either be in God's shadow or you can be in your sin shadow. You can go through the cave season and you can go all back to the things that god healed you from you can go all back to the things that you delivered you from when you're in that cave season what are you doing are you hiding in god are you in the shadow of his wing or Are you hiding in your own mess? Are you hiding in your own problems? Are you hiding on the computer late at night, not watching things you're not supposed to be watching? Are you hiding in that substance you know you're not supposed to be taking? Are you hiding in that relationship you know you're not supposed to be in? Are you hiding in your sin and your mess? Or are you doing what David did? I know it's hard. I know it's broken. I know things are crazy. Nothing is the way I want it to be. I had everything and now I have nothing, but Jesus, I will hide in you. It's a shadow. And that shadow will either cover you or it will consume you based on what you allow in your life. And so we read this, right? Psalm fifty-seven, it says, it says, it, 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 David says, hide me in the shadow of your wing. And, and so I want to explain something, which I think will make sense because it's actually deeper than it's just this metaphoric phrase. It's actually really, really deep. Um, the Bible says in the old Testament during the time of Moses, I I just follow me. Just, I promise it's going to make sense. Okay. Go with me on a tangent and we're going to bring it all back together. Cool. All right, cool. In the, in the days of Moses, in the, in the wilderness, there was what's called the Mosaic Tabernacle. And, and pretty much, it's, the best way to describe it is like a Mosaic Temple, or it was the Mosaic Church. This is the way the nation of Israel did church. There were three parts of the Mosaic Tabernacle, okay? There was the outer courts, for those that don't understand, the nosebleed seats of worship. Right? The ones that, we can all afford the nosebleeds, like at the king's game. Come on, let's be real. Although they're doing really good. So... Everyone could afford the nosebleeds. So the outer courts, anyone can go. The inner courts was the second place. And the inner courts, there were other things of worship that were specific to the priests. And so this was like the mid-level seating. Only specific people are allowed to be there. Or, you know, if they got the tickets or whatever, whatever. This is like middle. And then you had what was called the holy of holies. Baby, this was courtside. And only one person got to sit courtside a year. The priests would go in. And in this spot, which is the Holy of Holies, there was a veil. And this veil was a massive curtain. And the priest would walk through the veil once a year. And in that veil area, where it was just this little place called the Holy of Holies, follow me, Holy of Holies, there was a box. And the box was called the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant was this gold box. There was rods coming out of it. And there were two angels that had wings on top of the box. And it was all gold. And what that was is it represented the presence of God. Now, let me make sense of this all. The box is the thing from Indiana Jones, the first one. Come on, anybody, Indiana Jones? And, anybody? I'm talking about the same box. You know the box that went Indy he found the box, and then they opened the box, and then all the Nazis' face got fried off? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I know like millennials and Gen Zers don't watch Indiana Jones, which is really sad because that's like a next level movie series, but that's the same box. And that box carried the presence of God. And the Bible says that only... Everyone can be in the outer courts. A few people could be in the inner courts. And one person could be in the Holy of Holies a year. So here's what David does. We're gonna learn about this in a couple weeks. When David becomes king, instead of taking the box, because the enemy, which were known as the Philistines, captured that box and they took it away, and they kept it, instead of putting the box back where all the temple and all the mosaic stuff was, right, that was in a city called Shiloh. Instead of taking the box to Shiloh, David takes the box to Jerusalem, and he puts it under a tent, and he says, anybody now has access to the box. Listen, you got to understand, you got to catch this. He says, I'm going to put it in the middle of the city, I'm going to put it under a tent. I'm going to hire musicians and singers 24-7 to worship. They're going to worship the presence of God day and night, and what it is, it's a foreshadow to how new believers in the New Testament are going to be able to experience God. See, in the Old Testament, you weren't able to access the presence of God, but in the New Testament, you have access now, friends and family. You get to have Jesus whenever you want, 24-7. You don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor. You can do it in your home, you can do it in your car, you can do it in your your bedroom. You can do it on the way to work. You have permission to be with God. Yes. 24-7. We no longer worship in the sacrifices of animals in blood, but by the blood of Jesus and who was resurrected from the dead, you and I have been saved and healed and set free, and now we can worship God the same way that David worshiped under that tent. And this is what the Bible says, that David would say in Psalm 91, that I would hide In the shadow of your wings. And so, this is what David did. He grabbed the box, the Ark of the Covenant Indiana Jones box. He grabbed that box. He put it on a table. He put it in a tent. He gave everyone in the kingdom permission to worship God. And then, this is what you would do what he would do. You would find David, I want to show you, under the box. And he would lay. Imagine this is the box. And he would lay under the box. And he would hide. Come on, I'm short. Nobody can really see me, right? But that's the point. Because David learned how to hide in the presence of God in the cave. And so he learned how to hide in the presence of God in the palace. He would hide under the box. Under the wings of those angels under the shadow of god's presence and he would hide under it and he would lay there the bible there's stories of him laying there under the box because he knew how important it was to be hidden in jesus see saul wanted to be the hero of israel but david wanted god to be the hero of israel So let me let me sit and talk to you for a minute. I'm gonna catch my breath, okay <laughs> Think about this, think about this when you're hiding under a box, who do you see you, you're not seeing david you're seeing you're seeing the box, you're seeing god and and what he learned is he learned to hide in the shadow. he learned to hide under the shadow of his he learned to hide in the presence of god and and he says I, I, I don't care, right? This is what David, I would imagine saying in his heart. I don't care if anyone sees me because the hero of of Israel is not going to be King David. The hero of Israel is going to be God. Maybe the reason why God is taking you through a season of the cave is because you still want to be the hero of your own story. You want to figure it out. You want to be the one who made it. You want to be the one that survived. You want to be the one with the accolades. You want to be the one who has it all together. You want to be the one that saved your marriage. You want to be the one that raised your kids. You want want everyone to honor you. And God would say to you, go through a cave so you can learn to do this. Some of us in this room need to learn how to hide again. Some of us in this room need to pick what shadow we're going to hide under. And David talks about this in Psalm 23. Again, I'm all over the place, but it's connecting. He says in Psalm 23, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he understands that the shadow of God is greater than the shadow of death. And I'm telling you today, that if you would allow yourself to learn to hide in God's presence, that shadow will overcome the other shadow that's trying to take you out. That shadow will overcome, God's shadow will overcome the shadow of sin. God's shadow will overcome the shadow of shame. God's shadow will overcome the shadow of condemnation. God's shadow will overcome the shadow of darkness, that an enemy who's trying to take you out. And if you would learn to hide in him, I'm telling you, things would shift and change. And so in the cave, I want to just give you a few points that helped me. In the cave, we developed. What happens in the cave? Number one, we develop trust. Man, I have learned you don't trust God like you trust God in a cave, man. When you're going through it, God, you, you better be there. Yeah. You better show up. You learn who God is. Yeah. And he's not doing it to make you suffer because he hates you or he's mad at you. No, no. Listen, you were going to go through these things anyways. Some people think like, wow, just God's making me go through these things. No, you were going to go through them anyways. I just rather you go through them with Jesus. And in the midst of the pain, you would learn who God really is. We learn trust. I, I trust my wife more than ever now. Because we've been through some stuff. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Any married couples in the room? When you go through stuff, and you make it out at the end, the trust grows. David knew God in a different way because of his trust in the cave. Because of him hiding in God's presence in the cave. I've learned this too, that you, you become who you're around. That's why groups are so important. You become who you're around. And if you want to become more like God, you got to spend time with God. It's easy. Don't complicate it, right? If you want to get in shape, work out. Bruh. Diet a little, work out. Do some push-ups. You're like, I got to do this and this. and No, you don't. Just work out. Go running. Go jog. Go jog till you can't breathe like I do. You know? Same thing. You want to become like people? want to become... You're going to become who you're around. You want to know who God is? You got to get around him. You got to spend time with him. You got to connect with him. You got to hide in him. So we do things like groups in the prayer room here, where you could come and pray Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 12 to one on your lunch break and spend time with God. And no one interrupts you. It's just you and Jesus. That's why we have 60 something small groups to get you deeper in your walk with God. That's why we do multiple experiences on Sundays. That's why, and we're just a part of it. I believe there's even a bigger global part of what it does. And ultimately that's to fuel your inside life on in that cave season. Are you trusting in Jesus? And if you're trusting in Jesus, you're gonna get to know him more. Number two, you learn your identity. You learn who you are. Can I tell you when God takes you through a cave, man, you you learn who you are real quick. Because now all of the things you thought you were, aren't there no more. What happens when you're not your money? What happens when you're not your job? What happens when you're not your title? What hap- right? What ha- all the things we find our identity in that are going to fall apart at the end. If you find, finding your identity in being a dad or a mom, finding your identity in being a boss or a manager, finding your identity in me being a pastor, at the end of the day in the cave, no one cares. God don't care that I'm a pastor. He could care less if I'm a pastor. In the cave season, are you choosing me? Because you know why? God didn't choose me because I was going to be a great pastor. Actually, on the other hand, I'm kind of shocked that I'm a decent pastor. And thank God I am. God chose me because he loved me and I didn't deserve it. And that's all that was enough. So you know what the cave does? Right? David's life mike bickle talks about this he's a he's a pastor out of kansas city he says you start from small beginnings to early promotion and what we think is the trajectory of, of our life is small next and then the palace but you know what god does he goes small beginnings early promotion cave because if you can't handle the cave you can't handle the palace If you can't know who you are in Jesus when you have nothing, what makes you think that you can handle with Jesus when you have everything? What makes you think that God can trust us? And so God will allow cave seasons because he wants to show you who you really are. Number three, maturity. Man, I have grown up in my caves. Big boy stuff. Stop being a child. Stop thinking like a child. I say this because I love you. Stop being petty. Stop doing stupid things. Stop blaming other people for the things that you're responsible for. Stop being a victim. You know where you learn that? In the cave. And you know what? God will make you keep going through caves until you get it. <laughs> I say that. I say that from testimony. I say that from experience, family. I'm like, oh, yeah, my, man, I'm doing great, cave. <laughs> right? Right? Doesn't he do that? Come on, right? Like. Man, I'm just crushing it. Life is good. Cave. Caves. Why? Because they produce maturity and they produce growth. Influence. You begin to really learn who you have influence with. You begin to really learn how God's getting to form you. The Bible says that 400 men came to him. They were bitter in soul, in debt, and in distress. That's the most jacked up team ever. It was like all of them were picked last on the PE field. (laughs) That was the team that God threw David. David. We find out years later that those 400 men, most of them were David's mighty men and leaders in his army. Family, you have everything you need where you're at right now. That God will send you what you need, not what you want. And he will teach you to steward what you have currently, not because it's not going to get better because you get more. That's not how this thing works. He'll show you what real influence looks like. Authenticity. I love Psalm 57. Can I read it to you just real quick? Another four verses. Uh, Are you good with me? We good? We hanging? All right. Psalm 57 verse 2 says, I cry out to the most God, to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfastness, his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Verse 3, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David, finally, he gets to get real with God. I'm in the midst of lions, God. I don't want to be here. These dudes smell. They have no money. My family doesn't even want me. I'm in a cave. It's musty. I was in the palace. And and finally, God's like, amazing. Now I have the real you. Because God can't build on something that's fake. And here you go into God with your Christianese and that whatever you've learned from church culture, which not necessarily is all bad, and you fake a funk and you pretend and you wear all the masks you can and God's like, can I have you in your heart finally? And so you know what God will do? God will say, let you go through a cave so I can get the real you. Not the you that's on work on Monday and at school on Tuesday and with this family member on Wednesday cannot get you authentic. And then lastly, you learn faithfulness. That's what he says in verse three of Psalm 57. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Oh, if God can teach you how to be faithful in the cave, he can teach you how to be faithful in every season of your life. Here's my question for you as I close. So where is our hiding place? I love, I, I love playing hide-and-go-seek with my kids because he's, my son is six. It's awesome. You want to know why I love playing hide-and-go-seek with my kids? Because they'd all cast hides in the same spot every single week. <laughs> Easy money. Easy money. Anybody, anybody got little kids? Like when they're big, like I was a youth pastor. I don't know if you knew this, and we're not going to bring it back unless Pastor Matt wants to bring it back. But back in the day when I was a youth pastor in the old building, we used to do hide-and-go-seek nights here in the building. I'd get all these teenagers... And I'd turn off all the lights, and I told them they couldn't go into Pastor Eric's office because I do not want to get yelled at. And we'd play How to Go Seek for hours. That's how I'd get them to come to Fall Fest and serve. Because I would say, hey, come hang out, come serve. And then after serving, after putting everything away, we're going to play How to Go Seek in this big old building. Imagine this big old building. We'd play How to Go Seek for like three, four hours. And would be like, yeah. They're like 50 teenagers all sweating running around this place. I've learned with teenagers, with young people, they don't, care. they don't want cars and fancy stuff. They just want time. Yes. Yes. And some of y'all kids, man, they had some hiding spots. I remember one time I lost a little girl. We played like three games. We couldn't find her. We thought she got picked up. I thought I was going to catch a case. We were going to have to call the cops. I was going to get fired. She was little too. She hid in like some cabinet in the kids' room. I would have never known. Started speaking in tongues through the hallways. Like, God, help me find this girl. So so that's too much. That's too much work. I like playing with Zadok. You know why? Because he hides behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, right? They have the same spots. Right? The best is when they hide behind the curtain, you see the little feet? <laughs> little, oh,
1: I wonder where they could be.
0: Where are you? Right? Psalm, same thing. She hides like behind a door in the closet. Zadok, he either hides behind a curtain in the laundry room or under his bed. Got you, son. Easy money. I love playing with our kids hide-and-go-seek because I know where they are. My question to you today is God knows, where does God know your hiding places? When God looks at you, where's your hiding place? Because he knows where it is. But is it in him? Where's your hiding spot? Where's the spot where you hide when things go wrong? Where's the spot when you hide when you need to get alone where's the spot that you hide and if it's not in Jesus and it's in something else my friends you will always feel you will always leave empty and you will always be shallow but if we would allow ourselves to say God you're my hiding spot Jesus I'm gonna hide in the same spot God, I'm gonna hide in You. God, I'm gonna do what David did. I'm gonna go under the tabernacle. God, I'm gonna hide! Even though it feels like everything surrounds me, I'm gonna hide in You. I'm gonna be behind You. I'm gonna be in You. I'm gonna be alongside You. God! I'm gonna hide in You! When hell comes I'm gonna hide in You! When the bad report comes, I'm gonna hide in You! When the storm of my life comes, I'm gonna hide in You! When the darkness is coming over my mind I'm gonna hide in You. When things are not going the way I want it to go I'm gonna hide in You! Why? Because it is only in You that I'm gonna to make it it is only in you that you would be my hiding place family I would believe today that God would ask you the question where is our hiding place and if it's not him then maybe just maybe we have to change some things stand to your feet with me close your eyes and I would say if you're in this room and you would say you know what pastor Chris I need to make God my hiding place I need to make God my hiding place. I've made other things my hiding place. But I need to hide in God. I, I need to hide in the shadow of God. I need to hide in God. I need to do what David did. I, I might be going, you might be going through a cave season. And I, I'm, I need to choose to hide in Jesus. I want to open up the front for a little bit. Because I believe God wants to work on some things with us this morning. It's it's second experience. Y'all got time. You're good. That's why you came to second. I would I would be remiss if if we didn't take a moment and allow ourselves to respond Something that God is doing—he's beating on our chest, he's speaking to our heart. Some of you, you're getting moved to tears. You're thinking about what you're going through, and and, and I'm telling you, it's not because it's an emotional conversation, or I'm just a good preacher. No, 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 it's the Spirit, it's Holy Ghost, it's God moving in the room, saying, "Son, daughter, I see you, I know you. Come hide in me, and come." let go of all the other things you hide in. if that's you and you would say you know what i want to be i want to hide in the lord i want to learn how to hide in god i want to hide in his presence i want to prioritize the presence of god in my life if that's you come up to the front with me i want to just pray with you come on anybody in this room just come up to the front you could stand you can kneel you could do whatever you want come on and this isn't getting saved again this is you and your season just just take some time with god so many people come on keep coming keep coming No one needs to know why you're coming up either. This is just between you and Jesus. It's just an opportunity. Keep coming. Scoot up, scoot up, scoot up. Make room, make room, make room. There's a lot more people. Listen, we do these because sometimes we need to step out to take it serious. That's all I'm saying. You could do it in your chair, but sometimes it's like, man, I'm, I'm responding. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. I know there's others. I know there's others. I know there's others. Come on, keep coming. There's plenty of room in the middle. Keep coming, keep coming keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, scoot up, scoot up, keep coming in, keep coming in a little bit more, yeah, come on, come on, yeah, there's more, there's more, come on, do me a favor, if you, unless you're coming up, close your eyes all over the room, close your eyes, come on, keep coming, if you need a walk, keep coming, keep coming closer, keep coming in the middle, keep coming, let's make a space that we can hide with Jesus for just for, just for a few minutes, pastors, we're going to do this solo, everyone's going to be on their own, no, no laying hands, no praying, just, just you and Jesus, okay, That's what I feel we need to do right now. So everybody in the room, don't pray for one another. This is between us and God. Because in the end of the day, when you're in the cave all by yourself, it's you and God anyways. And yeah, there might be other people that God brings, but for now, let's just focus on this. I think there's some people in the room that need to repent and say sorry for hiding in the wrong thing. And so do me a favor with everybody hands up, close your eyes, lift up your hands. I wanna pray this, Pastor Juan, lead for a little bit, and then we'll see where we go. And we're all raising our hand because we're all doing this as a family. We're all engaging with what God wants to do in the room. That's what we're doing. We're not spectators. We don't just come church to visit. We come to engage and be active in what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. Say this with me, everybody in the room. Especially if you're in front, because I believe this is especially for you. Say this. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for hiding in other things other than you. But today, I will hide in your presence. Teach me to hide in your presence. Teach me how to choose you in the cave, in the season where it's hard. Now, where you're at, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray whatever you need to do, do it in this room. And so as we sing out for a few minutes, we're gonna sing this out. I wanna sing it like you mean it. And let's see what God begins to do. Let Him move in your heart.
1: Yes, I've got one response. Yes. I've got just one move. And with my arms stretched wide. response and I've got one response I've got just one move with my arm stretched wide, I will worship Come on let's lift up our hands and sing this out let's so I throw in my hands and praise you again and again come on from that deep place so that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much. i nothing else for a key. Come on, you're learning
0: how to hide in him. Come on.
1: All that I have is a Let go. Hallelujah. And know it's not much. Come on. Give it up. I've nothing else fit for a key. Jesus, we hide in you. Except for a heart-seeking heart. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song You've got a lion inside of those songs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on,
0: sing that over yourself today Come on, yeah. sing that to
1: get ready for the season Come on, my soul Sing it Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Jesus, we hide in you You've got a lion inside of those homes for anything that gets in the way come we choose you come on my soul don't you get eye on me Lift up your song you gotta I shelter in the storm, You are. So I rest in the shadow of the Almighty, yes, Jesus. The shelter of Your wings, I hide. So I throw my Praise you again and again So all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah I know it's not much I'm nothing else before a king Except for a heart seeking high
0: favor close your eyes one more time every hand lifted up in the room just in front of you hands up we do that just to again engage and I want to ask you this question where then is your hiding place going to be this week I feel like the Lord wants to ask you this real practical where are you gonna meet him not here at church so I want you to think about that right now where are you gonna meet him where are you gonna to talk to him where are you gonna is it the car is it in the morning is it at night? What are you doing? Are you reading your Bible? You're praying? What worship music? I-, I want you to think of that right now. Holy Spirit, reveal to them their hiding spot that you want to meet them at. So just think through it. 20 seconds. Come on. I want you to imagine it. I want you to see yourself there with your phone, reading the Bible app, with a book about Jesus, by a lake, by a river, on your porch. Okay. You have that in mind? Okay. Now let me pray. Jesus, I pray right now that you would help me. Come on, say this with me. That you would help me meet you in that hiding place. That this would happen this week. Now let me pray for you. You don't have to pray. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for my friends. I pray... That any lie from the enemy would be silenced saying that they're not worthy they're not loved and you don't want them would go in Jesus name I pray that any distraction would be stopped right now in Jesus name I pray that even when the enemy tries to this week get them to not do it that God you would put a fire in them to do it and that Jesus from this day forward you would teach us how to hide in you and so I pray for us as a house That even this place, this church, would be a hiding place. It wouldn't be the platform. It would be about us hiding ourselves in you, Jesus. And so whatever you need to do, that you would do it. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did in the room. Come on. Love it. Hey, before you go, just stay where you're at. Two things. First-time visitors, we love you. Please do me a favor. Fill out that Connect card. We'd love to have you. Hey, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move. Please don't be disrespectful. Chill out. Your kids are safe. In and out's not going nowhere. Connect card. Visitors, we love you. We honor you. We would love to have you part of our church. Secondly, everybody say growth track. Growth track is how you become part of our church. If you want to become part of this church officially, we'd love to have you sign up for growth track in the lobby or online. Sound good? All right, family, invite a friend this week into Fall Fest and church next Sunday. We'll see you next week. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Love you all. We'll see you soon. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.